Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing to you the story of my new friend, Mr. Adam Kipnis. Adam is hailing from Arizona today. You're still in Arizona at this moment, right? I am still Adam? in Arizona. Definitely. Okay. Yes. And Adam and I had the pleasure to connect through a uh, mastermind that we're both part of, Miss Laurel Lang Myers, one of a mentor for both of us. And Adam just has such an amazing background, still has his, his foot in the corporate world, which I still have a little tiptoe there still as well, but very, very pl- firmly planted in this amazing world of entrepreneurship. He's got a specialty around messaging and spreading your word and speaking. He's done so many amazing things. So I'm excited to share your wisdom with our tribe, Adam. Thanks, Lisa. I appreciate being here and uh, getting to know you over these past few weeks and months. It's just been fun. So many things that we have in common and just the way we've been able to interact uh, virtually and uh, in a very short period of time. In this crazy COVID time, right? (laughs) Right. Totally. Unbelievable. I know you from Zoom and only Zoom. Only Zoom. Well, we might get a chance to meet in Arizona because I'm going to be out there soon, you know, so we got to remember to talk about that. But let's let's dive into things. You know, one thing I really want to make sure our listeners get a very clear picture of is you took me through an exercise a couple months back um, when we were part of the big table. And it was one that people are starting their business, let's say, and they're, they're trying to know who to market to. And you took us through this exercise where the people that say, Oh, I don't know anyone. I don't, I don't have anyone, you know, that I can contact. And you had us take out our phones and you took us through an exercise. Can you, can you share that again? I definitely, it's, it's one of my favorite things. And one of the, one of sort of my go-to coaching exercises with my clients. So you guys get uh, a little bit of Free oh, stuff free that coaching. I charge, charge other people for. Oh, um, did I make? Is this a total social faux pas that I make? Because I think it's really important. Because one of the challenges that most business owners have, it's not that they don't have a great idea. It's not that they don't have a great product. It's not that they can't deliver it well. It's that they don't get it in front of enough people in order to make money. And I think that's for a couple reasons. One, there's a most people are naturally shy. Right? There are some people who are natural promoters. You and I really don't care. We'll say dumb stuff in front of people and not really worry about the fact that they might not want our product or service. But a lot of people are naturally shy and don't want to you know, sell to family and friends, don't want to over-promote, don't want to be that guy that people don't want to talk to because they're, they're promoting themselves. And how do you do that, but do it in a very soft, natural way? And so we tend to go to people we don't know, spend money on advertising, Facebook ads, Google ads, pay-per-click, spend money and hope people come to us. Well, I want my clients to make money and then use that new made money to pay for their advertising versus taking their savings and paying for their advertising. 
Adam, where were you when I first started my own business? <laughs> because I did exactly, I did everything <laughs> backwards. <laughs> Oddly enough, so did I. Like we all go to the, there's this theory that one third in the pe- of the people in the world will like you. One third of the people in the world will hate you. And one third of the people couldn't care less about you either way. And we naturally gravitate to the two thirds that don't like us or don't care <laughs> rather than the one third that like us. I think we're taught that. I think that's a little bit more of an American or U.S.-based model versus um, especially Asian countries where it's, it's very much friends and family that drive people's businesses. But what I learned is that we have a tremendous number of people in our lives that we've taken the time to put into our phones. Like people don't accidentally get into your phone. You actually have to take time to type in their number, type in their name and hit save and they're in your phone. And starting there is a great way to to begin your business. And I'm not saying sell to everybody in there, but you have these people in your phone. And in my non-scientific research, about, say about 8% of people in their phone have no idea what they do for a living. So if they needed your product or service, and that was the only thing they needed, they still couldn't hire you because they have no idea what you do and you know them. So I came up with this sort of five-step theory. And first is figure out who the people in your phone are. And it can only be five things. People in your phone, aside from restaurants and AAA and Uber or whatever, it can only be five things. One is going to be someone who can be a mentor to you, someone who's been there, done that, had success that can teach you along the way. Second group are people that you can partner with or joint venture with, people that have the same type of clients, people that have complementary clients, people that are in business that you can brainstorm with to see what you can do together. The third group of people are your friends. And friends are great. You don't have to sell to your friends, but they're still your friends and they should be in your phone. The fourth group of people are people that are clients slash prospects, right? Those are obviously the main target from a revenue generating standpoint, but who are those people? And then the fifth group of people are people who should no longer be in your phone. You don't like them. They can't help you. They're not your friend. They're not a business partner and they can't use your partner, your business or service. So they shouldn't be in your phone anymore. But those are the only five things that can be in your phone. So when you look at those people and you say, all right, if all of those people knew at least what I did for a living, they can self-select and say, hey, I need your product or service. They can say, oh, I didn't know you do that. I do this. We can partner together. I've got a presentation coming up. I need this kind of service. I've got a person that does that. They can say, oh, I started a business like that. And they can talk more about it. Those mentors, those people that are super successful in your phone, and we all have them. If they don't know what you do, they can't give you good advice if you don't ask them. But if they do know, you can get unsolicited advice. And then if your friends know what you do and families included there, you still don't have to sell to them. You still don't have to have them be your client. But if they know when a friend says, oh, I need X or I'm having a problem here, you can be top of mind. So how do you utilize your phone to know what to do and and who to call without just being random. And this is where you got to do a little bit of work, but it's actually not that hard. You can download all of your contacts from your phone. 
you categorize them into those five different categories. And for most of us, that should be easy. If you've got thousands of people in your phone, it'll probably take you a weekend. But you put those people in those five different categories. And then in those categories, in each one, you're going to rank them. Four, three, two, one. Fours are people who don't know you and have no idea what you do. Like, They're like that business card you added to your phone and you can't correct. remember who, yeah, where you met You don't met know them. who they are. They yeah. don't know who you are, but they're still in your phone. Yeah. Threes are people that know you. Like they would, if your phone, if the phone rang and you said your name, they'd likely know who you are, but they really have no idea what you do. Twos are people that know you 50-50, whether they know what you do. They might know what industry, but maybe not exactly. And then ones are people that know you and know what you do. And then the goal is to make the fours, threes, the threes, twos, the twos, ones, the ones, clients. Yeah. And that's true for all the categories. So even if they're friends, maybe your friends don't become clients, but maybe your friends get to that one stage where they will directly help promote or refer you to people they know that might need your product or service. Yeah. Same thing about those joint venture partners. Each one of those categories, all you're trying to do is build awareness. And if you can build awareness within the people who already know you because they're they're in your phone, now you can go out to social media and go out to the business cards that are in that pile that are in your desk and you all have them, unless you cleaned out your desk because it's COVID and we get bored every once in a while. But we yeah. all have business cards sitting at the bottom of drawer. Right before you go to those things, before you pay for advertising, before you go to find a new audience, utilize the audience that you currently have and position them to be your clients and or advocates. I love that. And you said you said something, you know, it, it can be so simple. You I remember you mentioned it could be something as simple as I I realize. I've known you forever, but I don't really know how you serve your community. And I would like to know that. And I'd love to share how I serve mine. So we can, you know, we can send referrals to each other. I think that's so brilliant. And so, I mean, it's funny because I've been recruiting for so long, you know, 25 years. And I'm like, man, every recruiter needs to know this, like right when they first start, because Talk about a value add to the candidates that are looking for new opportunities, how how you could serve them in even a greater way, just giving them these little tidbits like that. Yeah, you, and how they could serve themselves. Because, yes. you know, the, the, I don't want to get the whole red ocean, blue ocean thing that, that goes along with the, the employment community. Red ocean I don't know is what that is. What's, what's red ocean, okay. blue ocean? <laughs> um, red ocean is where sort of the theory of blood in the water, that's where the sharks are and they're eating okay. all the fish. And that's like your Indeed or your monster or your career builder. Like that's where everybody goes. There's Everyone a million is. people applying for every job. And if you've got a job for a brain surgeon, you've got somebody that didn't graduate from high school. And that's not neither one's good or bad. It's just the wrong skill set, but people need right. to apply for jobs. And that's the red ocean. The blue ocean is where there's nobody applying for the job because you get introduced to it because of somebody that you know. Yes, yes. And that's true for all walks of business and all walks of life. Uh, mm-hmm. But can I tell a really quick story about the phone thing and how yes. you can make it work? Um, and this is a true story. It's not going to work for everybody. But I was talking to one of my clients and he was in the employee benefits business. And he was 
you know, streamlining his business. I do a lot of the strategy side and figuring out how do you get your business ready to bring in clients and, and build it right. And he said, but I don't have any clients and we need to figure out an advertising plan. And I was like, we'll get to that. But to get clients, why don't we start closer to home? And I, before I went into the whole phone thing, I just said, hey, grab your phone and scroll through your contacts. He's like, okay. And I was like, scroll through your contacts for somebody that you know that is a business owner that you haven't talked to in five years or more. And he starts scrolling through his phone and he finds a guy that he went to college with, pretty sure owned a business, hadn't seen him since the 10th reunion. It's now the 20th reunion's coming up in like three months. And he's like, all right, this guy. And I said, all right, shoot him a text. Because I mean, he could have called him, but shooting a text is you don't interrupt somebody. It's an easy way to position a future phone call. Yeah, they can can respond when it's... They can respond when it's when it's convenient and if it Correct. makes sense. Yeah. Correct. And and oddly enough, if you're not in their phone and they see a number, they're gonna send it to voicemail anyway. But yeah. you send a text and and I he said, I told him to say this. Hey, this is Mike. I was scrolling through my phone, which he was, and I saw your name, which he did. I was just thinking about the last time we saw each other at the reunion, wondering if you're gonna be at the 20th. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. Like who does not want to receive a text that says, hey, I was thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. Yeah. Like everyone wants to receive that. So it's a really soft way to touch somebody where they're like, oh, that's super cool. Even if they don't like you, it's still really nice to get that text. Yeah. <laughs> and I responded within 30 seconds. He was like, so cool to hear from you. Appreciate the text. Definitely planning on going to the reunion. 10 seconds after that. By the way, I think you said you're in the employee benefits business. I'd love to talk to you about that. I love Let's it. Find a time. And I that was it. real life. The guy sent one text, talked to one friend, got one response that now turned into a lead and eventually did become a client. Uh, that's not going to work for all of you, but that's something that you can do that's super easy and super gentle. It's not a, it's not a sales pitch. It's yeah. a, hey, I was I saw your name and was thinking about you. I saw something on Facebook that was a friend of mine. It was really funny. And so I just shot a note. I was like, hey, love that thing on Facebook. Rather than putting it in the ch- in the, the, the chat, I just sent her yeah. a direct message. It's somebody that I've known I did go to high school with. And we just started chatting back and forth. And she owns her own business. And she had some questions. I don't know where it's going to go. But I didn't know that she owned her own business. I was just like, hey, it was cool to see your name on Facebook. Yeah. Saying something funny. Right? Yeah. So those things that would lead to conversations and why not start with people who know you? Oh, absolutely. Well, and think about, I mean, how many times you really would like to be able to refer somebody and you even, you're like, oh, I know that person. What do they do? And so even putting the notes in your phone about people, that's what, you know, I've used this like countless times. And I've already trained some of my teams on that lesson. So thank you for sharing that. I feel like it's really the, it's really the age we're in is that is is the social economy that we all have. It's our, it's our own personal, they, I've heard your net worth is in your network. And I mean, that's been true of recruiting for years. Now, how, how do you, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because that was brilliant. That was wonderful. Everyone, make sure you take take 
Adam's advice and connect with him if you want further coaching on it, because he's brilliant. But I want to shift a little bit because you and I have something in common when it comes to working in the financial services space for many years, and yet also standing up a, a very successful business. I think there's a lot of people out there that are in a time of, of reinvention and wondering what's the next normal, you know, when COVID kind of settles down, which it's starting to, thank God. How would you, you know, what advice would you give for people that are thinking maybe about doing something else and maybe not ready to leave the golden handcuffs, but, you know, stand something up? How, where would you start? So I would start with, and I'm very methodical in how I do things. So you'll hear me again, I'm going to give you all the steps of the things to do and, and, and how to do it. So in my, my business, I do strategic planning, regardless of where the business is in the world and in its, in its growth, it's still the same process. And I call it custom, right? Because it spells custom and it's easy to remember. The C is to create your story. So if you're in the corporate world and you're, you want to break free or you're, you're tired of the, the nine to five day to day, or some of us, we've been in the corporate world for a while, love it. It's just time for a bigger challenge, a different challenge. And it's creating that story. What do you want? Not, I want to leave my corporate job. Because yes, that could be a want, but that's a running away from, not a running to. So what are you running to? What is that story? And get really specific on it. I want to be able to work from wherever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Like that's a big thing for me. Corporate world, and this is one thing that I've loved about the last 15 months, is I can be in San Diego. I could be in Florida. I could be at my cabin in Prescott. I could be here in Phoenix. I could be in my backyard. I could be at Starbucks. No one cares where I am. So I have total location freedom. And that's a big deal for me. And if I didn't have that, I need to figure out how to create it. So what is it for you? What's that story? And get really deep and get... I want to make X number of dollars, not because of a dollar amount, because what that dollar amount will do for you. If it's $100,000, great. If it's a million dollars, don't use a million dollars because it's a big number and it'll make you feel super cool. Use a million dollars because that million dollars is something you're drawn to. We're drawn to something and the dollar amount is after that. So create that story. That's step one. Step two is understand and utilize your strengths right? Know what you're good at. And, you know, for me, I'm a brain and mouth guy. Things come into my brain and out of my mouth. That is how I make my money. That is how I present. That is how I work with my clients, right? So I find mediums that allow me to utilize them. If you're, some people are more data-driven, some people are more product or service-driven where they're really deep into the thing. And so know what your strengths are and then utilize those. Well, and I want to have you pause there because this is a big one. I find very, very important that so many people forget is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go learn a new skill because Adam has a PhD in Adam and what he's, he's naturally gifted with. Yep. So I think that that is so important. I, and I think so many people feel like they have to go out and completely reinvent this new skill set, which is not true. 
No, that you, I love PhD and Adam. That's perfect. We get t-shirts made. I think that that's one of the biggest things that people struggle with because they start a business or they join a direct sales or network marketing business. And you and I are both big, big fans of that business model. Yeah. And they get swept up in the, all right, here is the proven business model. And their upline teaches them to do these different things or they buy a program on sales or marketing that says do these things, but it's not congruent with who they are. And, and if you are not great at talking to people one-on-one and finding their pain point and introducing a product and then whether it's network marketing or otherwise, and then selling it to them, that business model might not work. So you have to figure out what are you good at? If you're good at data, you know that the data says A, B, and C. How can you use A, B, and C to go talk to your customers in a different way rather than what the rule book says? So know what you're good at. The next step is supplement your weaknesses. Mm. I found, and this is a statistic that I probably made up. It's relatively anecdotal, but I think it's pretty close. (laughs) Business owners spend 50% or more of their time doing things they aren't good at and don't like. Whether it's the- That was such a big barrier for me <laughs> when I first started. Yeah. Oh wasting, wasting so much time on things that made me so tired and I was not good at. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, when I first got started in my business, I had a database that was super confusing and I probably spent 300 bucks a month not using it. Because I didn't like it, didn't know how to program it, and was too cheap to pay someone to do it. And I ended up spending the same $3,000 over the course of a year that it would have cost me to have someone set it up properly and working for me for that entire year. I didn't save any money. I just aggravated myself and stared at that thing and was like, like a paperweight inside of my computer, right? And I was bad at it, so I didn't do it. I'm not, I don't love making social media posts. Right, I I'm not that creative in that way, and I don't take the time to write it up where it's compelling to the other person. I'm like, ah, here's me drinking wine, boom, right? Fun, yeah. but not a yeah. great post. Lisa does great posts. I don't know if she does them herself or not, but they're long, they're well thought out, they tell a story, they've got an idea. Thankfully, she tags me in a bunch of them, so I, a bunch of the likes also flood onto me because people get to see my name. Right? We have different strengths, and therefore we have different weaknesses. So supplement those weaknesses. There is somebody better, faster, and cheaper at your weakness than you, because your job well, should be utilizing your strengths, which is where the money's really made. Well, and I think one, one way that I, I've started learning this very, very much and is, is you could barter, you know, like, especially when you're first starting out and maybe you don't have a lot to invest, you know, think about what you're good at and trade of trade of labor in a sense. You know, yeah. I think that it's I it's really the the epitome of locking arms with others to help one another, which I love, you know. Love that. I yeah. love that. And and what you're good at and what you're bad at doesn't change if you're rich or poor. You're still right. good or bad at, at those same things whether or not you have money. So if you don't have the money, it's not that you do them. Find someone to partner with, to barter with. There's joint ventures where you both can make money. 
right? Mm-hmm. If you've got a great product and you've got a friend who's great at sales, maybe they can help sell it or promote you. You do the fulfillment, they do the front end, and you both win, right? 50% of a lot is better than 100% of nothing or whatever the saying is. Yeah. So I think that's a really great point. Think differently or reach out to one of the two of us and be like, hey, I'm stuck here, right? These are This is where Lisa and I can help. The fourth area, and I know I don't want to take up all of our time, but our fourth area is to tailor your expectations. So whether it's a new business or your existing business that you want to grow, tailor your expectations in this way. The world tells me I'm wrong about this, but I don't think goal setting is a valuable use of your time. It's a $10 billion industry and probably more with seminars and books and workbooks and trainings and coaching all on goals. But I look at it this way. You don't have a goal that I was going to show up to this interview today. You expected me to be here. Mm-hmm. You don't have a goal that your business partners are going to do what they say. Your employees are going to do what they say. You expect it. At a base level, when you turn on the light switch, you don't have a goal that the light is going to turn on. You expect it. So we put these expectations out on everything else in our lives, yet we set goals for ourselves. Right. (laughs) And it's possibly a a way out. Maybe it's a gentle way to do it. But if you have a goal that you're going to make 100 grand in your first year in your new business, but deep down you expect to make 25, you know what you're going to make? 25. It's it's like, make sure you're, you're in alignment with the expectations. Totally. And And I'm not saying lower your goal to meet your expectation. I'm saying raise your belief in yourself when it becomes an expectation. And if you expect that one out of every four people is going to say yes, one out of every four people is going to say yes, which is fine. That's better than zero out of four. And if you're scared to call, just believe that if I make enough offers, I'm going to make enough money. It makes making an offer so so much easier. So if you raise those expectations, you tailor them to what you want. The fifth area, and this is really the last one, is to optimize your environment. Right? When you're starting a business, if you want to leave corporate or you want to start something new or you want to add an existing or a new line of business, a new revenue stream to yourself, you've got to put yourself in a position to do it. And if you want to lose weight and you've got cookies in the cupboard, you can reach into the open cupboard, insert cookie in mouth, right? If you throw away the cookies, now you've got to want cookies, find your car keys, which for some of us is a challenge in and of itself, find your mask, drive to the store, get into the store, stay six feet away from people, get the cookies off the shelf, go to the cash register, hopefully get home before you eat the cookies. That's like seven things that you have to do yeah. to eat those cookies. So for yourself and your new business, what do you have to clean up in your life? to allow you to do it. Sometimes it's going to be your headspace. Sometimes it's going to be like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my benefits. Or what if my business doesn't work and my job won't take me back? Can I get another job? I'm older. This better work, right? All of those things. How can you clear out all of that? And at the same time, look at your workspace. If you've got papers all over your desk, you're probably going to look at those papers and move them around before you're going to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. So get rid of those things. If you're not going to read it, If it's a magazine that's been on your desk for two months, you're not going to read it, shred it, recycle it, give it away, donate it, and do all of those things. 
And I think that's really important. So it's create your story, understand and utilize your strengths, supplement your weaknesses, tailor expectations, and then optimize the environment that you're in. And once you do that, now we come to the final stage, which is mastery. Now it becomes part of you. So when you wake up, you're thinking about your story and you know what you're good at and you're doing that every day. And you're thinking about, oh, I really hate this thing. Maybe I'm good at it, but I still hate it. Let me find someone to outsource or partner with it. You look at your expectations and they continue to rise and then your environment's in a good spot. That's mastery. And that's where we get to in the next stage. I love that framework. I love acronyms. That's so brilliant. Thank you. Man, we're getting lots of nuggets today. Okay, so let's talk tactically. So how do you manage all that you're doing right now, Adam? Because you have a lot on your plate. And how do you how do you sequence it and compartmentalize it so you're, you know, I find personally, sometimes I have days where I'm not really doing anything that great because I don't have sometimes, you know, a formatted system that I put my different businesses in different buckets, you know? And this comes back to the strengths and weaknesses side of you as a person. So what I do is going to be different from what you probably should do and what others should do. But for me personally, I thrive on multiple things to do. Mm -hmm. Like I love jumping from a sales call to a podcast to playing on social media. That is good for my brain. So most people don't. And I am actually exactly like you, but most people do not. They don't know most people. They end up getting analysis paralysis and they don't do anything. And they don't do anything. (laughs) Or they, they, they can't be graded because they're thinking about, Oh my God, I've got this podcast next that I got to prepare for. And they don't have their mind on their sales call. So, and, and one thing that COVID and quarantine life has done for me, that may be different. My wife and I um, have followed the rules. My mother-in-law lives here and she's 75. So she's high risk. My wife's got some health stuff, so she's high risk. So we just said, we're going to hang at home yeah, until we don't, right? And so we've been largely at home for the last 15 months. And I got minimum three hours, sometimes five to six hours a day back into my life because I'm not in cars going to see clients. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm not going to the dry cleaners. I'm not going to meet my friends for, for beers where... You have two beers over an hour, but it takes you an hour and 45 minutes because of drive time both ways. Yeah. I'm not getting on airplanes. Um, I'm not getting lost because I'm in a city that I don't know driving around in a rental car. Right. So all of those hours have now come back to me. And so I'm totally free form, but I'm a, a list builder, right? You saw that I have steps for things. I have lists for things that need to get done. And I block off time to go boom, boom, boom. And on my, it's just a little Microsoft app that pops up. And it's like, what do you want to do on your day? And I hit the little plus button of the things on my list that come up. And then I just methodically go through and do the list. But here's what I figured out. So one of the things that I do with my clients is called a 100-day sprint. I don't know if I've talked to you a whole lot about the 100-day sprint, but I work with my clients on a 100-day sprint, which really is a kickstart for businesses where I work through the custom model and I work through some marketing stuff. But I realized I got to re-enter society here soon, right? My clients are going to want to see me. I'm going to have to travel. My competition's going to be 
out in front of people. So I need to be in front of people. And a lot of what I've done are Zoom events, whether it's Laurel stuff or whether it's C-suite stuff or whether it's Craig stuff. And you should come to Craig's thing on Saturday if you're not. Everyone should. Saturday morning, elevate. I'll get Lisa to send the, post the link out to yeah. her entire audience. Like I get to meet 40 to 60 people three to four times a week. That's 200 people that I'm in front of over Zoom that you chat with, you get on the phone with, and they're there. Well, in some period of time, that's going to be like 12 people, right? Yeah. Because they're, they're not free at that time because they're in meetings, they're out, they're traveling. So I've got to rearrange my entire life. And this is a really long-winded way to get to what your point is. And so I'm doing a 100-day sprint to re-entry. I'm figuring out how am I going to keep everything going that I have going with fewer hours, meaning I'm going to have to structure. So one of the things I'm doing is saying, all right, with my podcasts, that I do because I've got my own podcast. I'm only going to do podcast interviews on Monday morning, Monday afternoons, and Thursday mornings. That's it, right? And I, I can't do them on Tuesday at one anymore because I might be having lunch. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm going to compartmentalize those two times for podcasts. I coach for Laurel's organization, and those coaching calls are going to be on Wednesdays. My Coaching calls, my prospect strategy sessions are going to be Tuesdays afternoons, Wednesday mornings, and Wednesday afternoons. That's when I'm going to, that's going to be my sales time. And so I'm building that in. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. Now, when I work with clients, we figure out what are your busy days, right? A lot of it can be driven by our clients. If you have a client driven business, a lot of times, maybe Mondays and Fridays are free. I don't meet with a lot of my clients on Mondays because they've got Monday stuff to do, right? Yeah. They had a weekend. They've got to catch up on their own stuff. Mondays are not a great time. So Mondays I use for, right? I'm going to do my podcasts. I'm going to do my internal work. Those mornings are going to be, I actually have a weekly meeting with myself where I sit down. I'm like, all right, what do I have to do for marketing? What do I have to do for uh, oh, organization. Start, What's my strategy? I like that. I'm going to start a weekly meeting with Lisa. I like that. Yeah, it, it's actually I, I just block off a half an hour. Sometimes yeah. if I'm not feeling it. I'll actually sit in different chairs and like I'm the CEO of my business. I'm the marketing yeah. manager of my business. I'm the operations manager. You don't have to use different voices for the different roles. You can though, but I have that meeting with myself that outlines I've got the rest of the week. So it's sort of work on me Monday morning and. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, usually 10 in the morning until two in the afternoon is client time because I'll meet them for coffee, post breakfast, maybe go to lunch, have a meeting in the in the early afternoon. Because usually they've got stuff at the end of the day between three and five that they want to get done so they can get home to their family. So I block off that time. And then Fridays, a lot of time, that's when I do a lot of my marketing, right? Because my clients are busy. It's Friday. They want to get their stuff done. So they can get out early and be with their families on Friday afternoons. And some of my clients actually work like 70 or 80 hours a week, but a lot of people still want to get out on Friday afternoons. Yeah. And so I use that time for my marketing. So I would look at your business or look at your life and block off those times that are non-negotiable. And then you say, all right, if your brain is, I need to focus on one thing, then all right. Work on your business Wednesday. That's the day where you block off time and you work on your business. And Thursdays, that's when you see clients. 
And Tuesdays, that's when you make your cold calls to set up meetings for your Thursday um, and the following Thursday and the following Thursday. So I would utilize people's strengths and weaknesses to structure it. I think structure is important and I have to structure my life because it's about to change when I re-enter society. Well, and I think it's also very, it's a natural from if you really are coming from corporate and you're, you're exiting, there is structure there. So why would you not bring structure to your own business when you're standing up a business? So many people though, they live in chaos. But they, but they don't. Yeah. And why would you not treat it like the million dollar business that it could be if you put your mind and effort into it consistently and persistently? It not it funny? You see, I, I see so many people that, you know, were in corporate for so long, like I was and you and you are, and they see the things that people like you have created in their lives and they want them, but they're not willing to make the sacrifices to achieve them. And oftentimes it's just a sacrifice of truly treating their business as well as they would their job, <laughs> basically, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's important. And once you're doing it, it's 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 no longer a sacrifice. Yeah. Right? So I think for a lot of people, they're not willing to make the sacrifice because they don't know what they're going to be doing. Like, yeah, I'm a big believer that you don't find niches; niches find you. Okay, that's that's how I think about it. And one of the niches that has found me over the course of years. I work with a lot of 40 to 60 year old females, highly educated, former corporate that now have their own business okay. and successful corporate, you know, Henry directors, have they, you heard vice that? presidents. Have you heard that acronym? No. High earner, high earner, not yet rich. High earner, not yet rich. Yes. Yeah. And what I learned from all of these women is they came from a curriculum-based schooling and they have advanced degrees, but there was a curriculum to follow. You knew what to do. You knew what to read. You knew what you had to study in order to do well and, and, and excel in school. They get into a corporate world and it's corporate's very regimented. You know what the rules are, right? Some of it's playing nice in the sandbox and, and, and being a good corporate soldier. But a lot of times, you know what your deliverables are because somebody gave them to you. And by the time it's your job to give them to somebody else, because you're at a level where you're creating them, it's still, you know, the CEO or the senior management that are giving the guidelines and now you're creating these. So very structured. And then they get into their entrepreneurial world where they very much want to do it. You know, corporate, they did their 25 years in corporate. They're like, I want to do something different or I can utilize my skill to consult and coach with other people. But now it's free form. Now that there is, there are no rules. Yeah. And that's very hard for my client to sometimes adapt quickly. And that's where that custom model, it's very regimented. Like it's, it's tailored to your individual needs, but creating your story. Once you have your story and it's really down, now there's your roadmap. All right. Now we got the roadmap. Now we use strengths, fix the weaknesses or supplement them. Raise your expectations that you're going to crush it this year. Put your in a really great environment so you can succeed. So that's a client that has come to me. And once they have what they need, which is that structured curriculum roadmap that they need, now 
it's not like they're giving anything up. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're excited to blow off, you know, wine lunches with their friends yeah. because they've got something they're really fired up to do. And I think a lot of us get sucked into busy work or not working or going to business lunches. I just use air quotes for everyone who's not watching us. Right. <laughs> business lunches because they think that, oh, I'm doing business. And really you're just chit-chatting with with somebody and there's no directive at the end of it. There's no outcome that you're hoping to get. You're just going to lunch to talk about business and both of you are like, great, I'll call you. We'll do business yeah. together. And then you never do. And then you never the do. Time. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Yeah. So Adam, I can't believe we are almost out of time. I feel like I could talk to you forever, my friend, but tell us, I want to ask you, you know, looking down the road 20 years from now, what are going to people going to say that Adam did during COVID? How did he change his life? What was oh. manifested as a result of it? And you know, what, what's the history book going to say that Adam Kipnis history book going to say looking back? You know, it's kind of interesting. So when this all first went down, like, so right, I've got, I've got my corporate job, which I love. And there's lots of reasons why I still have it and still like the entrepreneurial space. But when this all started in, for me, it was March 16th is when I came home of 2020, that part of my business was non-existent for six weeks, like literally non-existent because my clients were all, it's financial services based. So the markets were crazy going straight down. They had no, there was no end in sight. They had to protect their clients. Their employees were now all at home. They had to get technology in place. I sent an email to them like on like the 18th or 19th of March. And I was like, I know your lives are crazy. I'm here if you need me. Don't hesitate to ask. I don't want to bother you while you're going through all this. And I got, you know, very thankful responses. Appreciate it. We have no idea what the heck's going on. We'll we'll let you know when we figure it all out. Uh, meanwhile, the you know, markets are in free fall. So I had nothing to do other than, you know, stress about my own life and am I going to have a job when all this is done? But I said, "All right, I'm sitting at home." I have to be available. I can't take vacation because if someone calls and needs something, I need to be available to them because it's probably a big deal if they're calling me, right? And Laurel was the first one. She texts me. She's like, what are you doing? Waiting for the phone to ring, sitting at my desk in my house. She's like, jump on a Instagram live with me. And so we jumped on an Instagram live and we just started talking about, all right, what do you do right now? And it's yeah. really wide-ranging conversation. And then another group that I'm involved in, C-Suite, they started going online. And so I dove in head first day one of COVID and was like, I'm going to be active. That was like the genius move that I had. The non-genius move is I spent the next five months having a lot of first dates, right? There were so many people to meet and it was so easy to meet. Uh, because everyone was at home, everybody had time, everybody was craving some sort of human interaction. So I jumped on as many phone calls with individuals one-on-one as I could. And it's like, hey, what are you doing? This COVID thing's weird. Hope you're healthy and happy. Next thing you know, an hour's gone. Great talking to you. And then you're off. Nobody made an offer. We made no plan on how to move forward. Right. On to that, the was, next call. that was that was you and I, our first call. That was our first call. <laughs> we're we we're like, we know there's something, but there's we know something we have here, it. But yeah. 
we just happened to run into each other and other things, which allowed us to continue yeah. it. A lot of these people I never ran into again right. because they were in a different group or I didn't see them on Clubhouse. So they're not quite as, I guess, loud and aggressive and obnoxious as I am just being like, hey, what are you doing? I'll talk to anybody about anything. Right. So I spent about four or five months meeting a lot of great people and hearing great stories. And as it turned out, wasting a lot of time. And then I woke up in the weekend of Labor Day. And I, it was the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, which is like one of my favorite days because it's a second Saturday. Like you can yeah. waste the entire day. Yeah. And still not feel like you wasted the entire day. Like you don't have to work. You don't have to think about work. It's an extra day that God has given us. And we get another one in two weeks or next week, a week and a half for Memorial Day. It's only twice a year. We get that yeah. freebie to do yeah. nothing. But I'm up at six in the morning and my brain's going. And I don't, it's just brains cranking. And I'm like, I wonder how many days it is till Christmas. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why. I mean, it's September. I'm Jewish. I don't really celebrate Christmas. Although we have a tree because it's really pretty. Uh, it's actually still up. We keep it up all year. And but I'm like, how many days till Christmas? So I asked Siri, how many days are there till Christmas? And she says there are 110 days till Christmas. I'm like, oh, interesting. All right. 100 days it, sprint, huh? That's well. And, and so then I'm like, all right, what do we do? 100 days till Christmas, 100 day challenge. I know that, that people have done that. I'm going through my mind and I think 100 day sprint. I'm like, I'm not that creative. Somebody else has come up with 100 day sprint. So I type hashtag 100 day sprint into Twitter and like six things come up total in history. Like, wow. oh, weird. And then I go to GoDaddy and I'm like 100 day sprint.com. And $12.17 later, I own 100 day sprint.com, which led me to start a Facebook group, group the 100 day sprint to Christmas, allowing people to get what they wanted done and still have the week from Christmas to New Year's off to celebrate with their families. And so I did my 100-day sprint, which is I wanted to be in front of a 1,000 people presenting, not necessarily just on a Zoom. I yeah. wanted to present to a 1,000 people over those 100 days. And with the help of others and events I was invited to, I was somewhere a little over 1,100 people that I got to speak in front of during those days. And now I just started actually today is my 100-day sprint to reentry, which I kind of alluded to before. What are the things that I need to have in place? So when reentry happens, which will probably be just after Labor Day, give or take for me in my life, how can I be ready for it? And so I think it's going to be three parts. Adam dove in. Adam had really good ideas, but didn't know what to do with them for about five months. Yeah. And then really got focused on how can I help other people through this 100-day sprint concept and that's something that I think will be, I think I can help, you know, tens of hundreds of people, thousands, thousands of people yeah. over the rest of my career with this hundred day spring concept. So hopefully that's the, uh, I love that. the title of the biography. I love it. And I feel like you and I are in such alignment. I feel like the next chapter of our lives is meant to be the best chapter. And I can't wait. It's so fun to get to spend time with you. And I can't wait to see what I think God has in store for us to create together. It's going to be fun, whatever it is. So it, you know, Adam, definitely, definitely. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and I look forward to it. And I think that's the coolest part is this has allowed so much more. All right. 
a lot, not only alignment, but, but partnership because we've needed partners and friends in this environment. And I think that's going to be something that's going to live on beyond COVID is the desire for connection and partnership. I agree. I agree so much. So Adam, where can people find you and how can they work with you? Thank you. So a couple of things. One thing we didn't talk about was a lot of what I do is help people not only structure their business's strategy, but I have a strategy for making money in your business. So my my book um, is called The Ultimate Revenue Breakthrough. It's eight strategies to make money without spending any money on advertising. And you can get it at freebookfromadam.com. Or you can go to my website, coachwithak.com, coachwithak.com, and just click the free book. It's super easy. It's eight really to easy to understand, easy to use strategies. And I'm Adam Kipnis on all forms of social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. That's a good name to have. You got that. <laughs> yeah. There's two of yeah. us in the entire country. And it's K-I-P-N-E-S. So, and I'm an open book. I mean, Lisa knows this. If we talk on the phone, first of all, I'm a strategy and making money guy, so you better believe that I'm going to make an offer to you, but I'm going to give you everything that you need to do it yourself, yeah. right? I'm yeah. a big believer that if you can do it yourself, go ahead and do it. I'm the guy that helps you get further, faster, or when you get stuck. So yes, I'll probably make an offer to work with me, but get on the phone with me on my website, Coach with AK. It says schedule a call and just find some time and let's just talk through your business, your issue, your desire, and we'll build this framework out. And if I can be supportive in a future role, I'd love to do that as well. So those those are the big things. Just reach it. out to me. Happy to help in any way I can for, for your audience. It. And friends, please take advantage of this time that Adam is offering. We make so many, meet so many wonderful people on this podcast. And imagine if every single time they heard you know, value like you've already created, and then they took action on it, what their lives would be like in 12 months from now, you know, even three months from now. Right. So Adam, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. So appreciate you. Can't wait to eventually meet you in person. I feel like it's going to be like meeting an old friend. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Thank you so So, much for having me and, and hope it was beneficial to your audience and hope everyone got a little nugget or two out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to my Dream Big Nation listeners, I'm so very blessed to be part of your day. We're on a mission to be seven figure givers in our life, whether it's just with these two hands or the hands of many. And Adam is going to be a big part of that. So blessings to you in this amazing life journey, everyone. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.